0: Yo, this is Tim Davidson, and you're listening to the Greatest Years in Stars podcast, and I'm your host. I just want to give a quick shout out to everybody that has sent uh, their their love my way with the launch of my podcast last week officially, and um, yeah, just just all the appreciation in the world goes to you guys uh, so far. I really I really do appreciate it. Um, everything that I've had come my way so far and um, and even, even a couple of the uh, haters that are already um, saying that I'm going to fail and that this isn't going to work out and all this other stuff you know like that just makes me that much more fired up and um, like I said old school wrestling is always my passion you know and I will continue to pump things out on a, at least twice a week as a matter of fact more specifically every Monday and Friday morning, there will be a new episode launched. Every Monday and Friday, guys, I will bring a new episode uh, centering around a certain superstar and a year of that superstar. And I will continue to evolve from there. Not just stars, but also unsung heroes of the business. And that's what I'll be centered around today in episode three, which I'll get to more in a minute. But uh, as my podcast continues to grow, I will start giving away um, gift cards once a week. So uh, it might be like a $10 gift card for Starbucks, um, $20 gift card for Amazon, stuff like that, You know, at least once a week. Uh, I will give away that on Friday. So um, yeah, if, if keep, can keep sending those emails. Um, You keep contacting me at tdavidson1182 at yahoo.com. That's tdavidson1182 at yahoo.com. Without any further ado, this podcast, episode three, is on what, like I said earlier, one of the unsung heroes of the 90s. And that is none other than Owen Hart. And this is the 1994 year of Owen Hart, which was his breakout year. Which, where this year he really showed what he can do and what he was capable of. He showed everybody that he wasn't just Bret Hart's little brother. He showed that he was a big time player. He showed that he was capable of rising up to that level that Bret Hart was on that platform. He showed everybody that he had the skill set. And the aptitude to be that guy who can also become a world champion. And as we know, unfortunately, Owen's heart, with, Owen, Owen's life, was taken from him way too soon. Uh, but he certainly had a lot of success, despite not actually reaching the pinnacle that his brother Bret Hart reached. And I'm referring to being becoming a world champion, but. Owen, he 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 hit so many highs, though, in his career. He had so many highs, which there will be several that I cover today in this episode. And he also um, has left a, a great foundation for other people that were influenced by Owen, by other up-and-coming wrestlers who watched his stuff, who watched his work, but... The reason I believe that Owen is unsung in his time is simply because he was Bret Hart's younger brother. And Bret Hart was so colossal, he was so huge and so big of an icon in the business that Owen didn't get his just due in my opinion. I really believe that. But at the end of the day, Owen Hart deserves his own episode. On this particular podcast so i'm gonna shower owen with some love today and uh, i appreciate all the years back in the 90s that owen entertained me and i'm sure there's other people who feel the same and i also believe that um if it wasn't for his untimely demise that owen would have had a run with the world title before he uh would retire um i don't know when that would have been but the fact of the matter is, is though Owen was so talented that he was, it was just a matter of time before he would get that rub, if you will, um, from his promoter. So, starting um, way back in, I want to go to 1993 Survivor Series. Before I can really start talking about Owen's 1994, I had to kind of take you back to 1993 where it was the Hart brothers facing off against Shawn Michaels and his knights. And during the match, Owen accidentally hits Brett while he's on the apron, knocks him into the guardrail. He gets rolled up, Owen that is, gets rolled up. Um, So he's the only Hart brother that's eliminated. Bret Hart and his other brothers go on to become victorious in the match. Owen comes back out and Pushes Brett, start an argument, and the other brothers have to step in between, uh, between the brothers, and so they don't um, come to blows. And the following week, Owen actually challenges Brett to a match, which Brett goes on to decline. In that next week, um, he said, under no circumstances, he would never fight his brother, and. Uh, he was very adamant about that. So, coming in until uh, coming into late December, Owen actually started using the sharpshooter for the first time. He started sporting Brett's uh, ring gear as far as um, what Brett wore, as far as the pink and black, the shades. And like I said, he started also using the sharpshooter as his finish. Um, And then right around Christmas, they actually would patch things up with each other because for those two to three weeks leading up to the holidays, uh, Owen would consistently taunt Brett. He would consistently taunt him. So they finally were able to get a, a sit down and come to Jesus moment, if you will, and decided to actually team up and challenge for the tag titles, which would take place at the 1994 Royal Rumble. And here we go. So the story of the match becomes the Quebecers isolating Bret Hart after they do a big number on his knee, which includes taking the cane to it. And so Bret couldn't put any weight on his leg whatsoever. And they left Owen isolated for several amount of minutes. They isolated Bret Hart, and actually going on an island, should I say. And there's one point in time in the match where the Quebecers go for their finish. Bret Hart moves out of the way, and instead of going for the tag, he tries to apply the sharpshooter while he's on the ground. And if you've, if you've seen the Royal Rumble match, one year earlier that Bret Hart had with Razor Ramon and how he applied to sharpshooter while they both were laid on the ground and then rolled into it, that is the precise same spot that Bret used for this match. Now, the only difference is, is when he actually rolled over and pulled up, he collapsed immediately, which at that point, the referee called for the match uh, and awarded Bret Hart unable to continue. And gave the gave the win to the Quebecers this infuriated Owen Hart he comes into the ring berates his brother and then kicks his knee out from underneath him he then goes to the back and puts on a very intense promo saying Bret Hart is too selfish and that he was just trying to slow him down and hold him back, and that all he had to do was tag him, which is accurate. That is correct. Like, in hindsight, when you go back and watch the match, Brett was acting as if it was just like a handicap match, like it was just him. Knowing how much pain he was in, he never made an effort to go tag his brother when he got out of harm's way. So it's so funny watching back. You know, in hindsight, because Owen has a great point. He has a great point that he just he wanted to be the big hero. Brett, that is, wanted to be the hero of the match and that he wanted to continue on without Owen. That's really if you go back and look at it, that is exactly how it unfolds. And you can understand how Owen was ticked off about it. So this right here sets up the feud. Now, what's interesting is that both brothers actually went on to compete in the rumble match itself later on that evening, and ironically enough, Bret Hart is one of the co-winners of the match, along him and Lex Luger. You know, and, and that's the only rumble in history that's ever had co-winners to this day. But. Um, Owen would go on, though, in the following weeks and tell how, well, how much it felt. Like it felt great to him to take his brother out after their match at the Royal Rumble. They never actually crossed paths in the Rumble match, uh, but actually in the in the tag match, title match, that's what he was referring to, that it felt great when he kicked his knee from underneath him so, Brett reluctantly and finally relents and accepts Owen's challenge for a match at WrestleMania. And what a match it was. For me to say that they stole the show was an understatement, which says a lot coming from WrestleMania 10, where it also hosted the iconic ladder match between HBK and Razor Ramon and um, not only did they steal the show but their match at Wrestlemania also is globally recognized as the greatest opener in Wrestlemania history it really was that good if you haven't seen it I mean they they went out there and put on a five-star classic quite frankly you know, to open up WrestleMania 10. And anybody that hasn't seen it, I implore you to go watch this 24-minute classic that these two brothers put on. And uh, what's funny enough, though, is as great as a match that they put on, Bret Hart himself has said that they actually had even better matches than that on the circuit working with each other. And he felt bad that none of the fans could actually watch any of their house matches that they had. Because it actually was even better than the WrestleMania match. Even though he does hold that match in high regard. Um, but he said that, that, was, that was nothing compared to the matches that they put on um, moving forward when they would continue their feud. So ultimately what ends up happening and what's so impressive though, going back to the WrestleMania 10 match, is that Owen, being a heel, actually beat his brother clean, right smack dab in the middle of the ring, beat him clean. Um, and later on in the evening, where Brett who, has to, who had to wrestle again against Yokozuna in the main event, he wins the strap, throughout at that time, was, that was the second time he had won the WWF title. <clears throat> and while he's celebrating with other superstars who come out and congratulate him, Owen comes out on, on in the uh, entrance aisle. And you can clearly see just how much he's seething and the envy that is pouring from his eyes, you can clearly see it. So they're telling the story there at WrestleMania 10 that this is far from over. And now that Brett is the champion, that Owen's still gunning for him and that he still has something to prove. You can kind of see that uh, at the end of WrestleMania 10. WrestleMania 10 as a whole, for me personally, I would place in my top five favorite WrestleManias of all time. Uh, Despite the fact that WrestleMania 10 has a big glaring absence when you look at that card as a whole, and it's none other than The Undertaker who's missing from that card. And he doesn't make his return, as a matter of fact, until SummerSlam, Uh, but we'll get there in a little while because there's another huge match that takes place at Summerslam 94 with Owen. But to back up a bit, Owen qualifies for the 1994 King of the Ring, where he has to have three matches, much like his brother did a year earlier, where to this day, in my personal opinion, The 1993 King of the Ring is still, I would say, my second favorite King of the Ring, only behind the 2001 version. But Owen qualifies for the King of the Ring. He first faces Tatanka, which is no doubt to me the best match on the card uh, as far as the actual King of the Ring tournament and I was never really a Tatanka guy. I, I, I never made that connection with him uh, whatsoever. And I don't know what it was, but despite the fact that he was a baby face and he got decent receptions um, from around the globe, wherever they went, I just never, never, for whatever reason, I just never got into Tatanka. Uh, I, I can't even explain that. But nevertheless though, it was still a good match. Uh, went about 12 minutes. And um, Owen qualifies uh, um, to, to go into the second round, where he would face the One Two Three Kid. He would defeat the One Two Three Kid in about six minutes um, with a sharpshooter. Interesting enough, and then he would go on to the finals, where he would meet Razor Ramon. Now, I need to back up a little bit, a little bit in the uh, evening for the world title match because this is very critical of what happens in the finals of the King of the Ring tournament. Jim the Anvil Nightheart reunites with Bret Hart as his mystery um, partner to um, come with him to ringside to hold Shawn Michaels in check for when he had his matchup against Diesel for the world title. So Jim Neidhart, who volunteered by the way, to be in Brett's corner, would get Brett disqualified in that match. And the reason I bring this up and the reason why it's so critical is because later on in the evening, Jim Neidhart gets involved in Owen Hart's matchup in the finals of the King of the Ring tournament. And ultimately what ends up happening is He blindsides Razor Ramon behind the the ref's back and throws him back into the ring. Owen Hart nails a top rope elbow, gets the one, two, three. Owen Hart is the 1994 King of the Ring. And And during his ceremony, Owen claims uh, himself to be the king of hearts quote unquote which is just a direct dig at his older brother obviously <laughs> knowing that a year a, a year earlier Brett was the king of the ring so Owen has this alliance with Jim Nightheart. now interesting enough Jim Neidhart and Owen Hart are no strangers to, to each other just as much as Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart aren't strangers to each other as far as being a tag team, the Hart Foundation, well, as short-lived as it was, Owen Hart and Jim the Anvil were also a tag team, known as the New Foundation in 1992. So it kind of made sense that Jim Neihardt made the decision to to team up with Owen opposed to Brett, because Brett had more success as a singles than his brother did at the time. So it was actually really good storytelling and booking in, in my own opinion of what was going on at that particular time. So Owen continues to taunt Brett and then he eventually challenges Brett to a world title match. And this would take place at the next main pay-per-view, which would be SummerSlam. As I've mentioned earlier, uh, this match on the card actually stole the show, nothing else came close, quite frankly. Um, and this goes about 28 minutes, bell to bell, uh, inside of a steel cage, if I had mentioned that already. Um, and I would say as good as this match was, it still wasn't better than the WrestleMania 10 match. And that is only because there was no senses of, of, of false finishes in a cage match that that you can't actually win by pinfall or submission. The only way to win that match was escaping the cage, which I would say 80% of the time uh, when you have a cage match, that ends up happening anyway, but I wouldn't, I, but when you compare the two matches together, you just can't replace those false finishes because that really draws you in and keeps you immersed into the action. Um, but ultimately for the world title this time around, Bret Hart who legitimately was working with a strep throat, um, still put on the match of the night. And um, he, he's able to escape the cage first ultimately when Owen got tied up into the cage, when both of them were on the outside of the cage getting ready to drop down. Owen gets his leg tied up. Brett drops down to retain his title. Brett and Owen would then go on to have a lumberjack match for the world title later on that month in August. And what's interesting is, for a very brief moment, Owen Hart was declared the WWF champion until the match got restarted, because of outside interference. And at that point is when Bret actually won the restart. So he, he feuds with his brother throughout almost the entire 1994 year, never ultimately winning the strap and walking away with it. Uh, but he does end up getting a bit of a bittersweet revenge against his brother Brett which culminated at the 1994 Survivor Series by ultimately being in the corner of Bob Backlund against his brother Brett who had British Bulldog in his corner in a throw in the towel submission match. And ultimately Owen played a very huge part in Brett losing the title to Backlund. Now Backlund, who had the most dreaded finishing maneuver in 1994 that WWF at the time really did a fantastic job of getting over the the, uh, the the crossface chicken wing, just absolutely dreaded. And in real time, I kid you not, I dare anybody to go take a look at this themselves and go count. Bret Hart was trapped in the crossface chicken wing during this matchup for more than 10 minutes in real time. Yeah, that sounds like a joke, right? Like I'm exaggerating? No, he was trapped in this hold for over 10 minutes. And I dare anybody to go actually take a look at that themselves because it, it, it does sound crazy when you hear it. So what happens is British Bulldog they get, he gets into a chase with Owen Hart because Bret Hart had Bob Backlund, the sharpshooter. He runs into the ring, bull, bulldog, bulldog down, and that ensues the chase, or should I say, a chase ensues. And during the runabout, Bulldog trips, cracks his head on the rings on on the on the ring steps. He's knocked out, and so Bret turns his attention away from Bob Backlund, who's recovered, slaps the chicken wing on him. And during this time, like I said earlier, the only way to win this match is by submission, by the by the person who's in the corner by throwing the towel in. So he wasn't able to do that because British Bulldog was knocked out. Well, it just so happens that his parents, Brett and Owen's parents, that is, Helen and Stewart. Are at ringside, so Owen, he is feigning pity for his brother, and that he's suddenly a changed man, and he's crying alligator tears in front of his mom to get her to throw in the towel for Brett. Like, now, I said earlier, Brett has been in the sh- has been in the in the uh, the uh, chicken wing for several minutes, and the and his mom initially refuses to throw the towel in. Stu is like, no, no, we're not doing that. And Stu has the towel. She grabs it from Stu, throws it in, and then the match finally, mercifully is stopped. Owen then grabs the towel, breaks out in a sprint, all the way back to the locker room with the towel raised up huge smile on his face. And you get the feeling immediately that he was faking it the whole time when he showed um, compassion towards his ailing brother, that it was all a ruse. And in and fact, it was. Todd Pittingill catches up with Owen Hart and he tells the whole world that how excited he is that his brother is no longer the World Wrestling Federation champion. And that how easily he was able to fool his own parents so from here Owen doesn't have any more matches with Brett anymore as far as on the circuit how shows what have you for the rest of 94 um, as a matter of fact he just had just a, a couple of squash matches in December but but nothing significant happens in December um, but interesting enough, though, if you jump to the 1995 Royal Rumble, and this is where I'll actually stop things at uh, because this is where it started, he actually does interfere in the Diesel championship match, where he comes in, exposes the turnbuckle, and whips Bret Hart as hard as he can into that exposed turnbuckle. So there was still animosity there. Um, in the early part of 95, but they didn't have any more high profile matches at that point in 1995. So that'll about just wrap it up for this episode. Um, I've covered everything there as far as the the Owen Hart timeline of 1994 and um, Owen having a brief very brief moment of being declared the WWF champion. Um, Of course, even even better than that, he defeated his brother at the biggest show, WrestleMania. He would go on to win King of the Ring in 1994. So he had an outstanding year. And in my estimation, no year topped Bret Owen Hart. Owen Hart's 1994 but again I appreciate you guys for tuning in and listening to this recap you know Owen Hart was a guy that was so talented he was so very talented and um, it really sucks the way that he went out as far as um, just that freak accident that took place in 99 but I just kind of am one of those persons who can just go back and relive a person's glory years and days and that's that's what this podcast is all about you know it's it's giving that shine to wrestlers that you admired and that you know were talented and that were able to perform at a high level such as owen hart was and with that said my next episode, episode four, is going to center around another talented wrestler, an unsung hero of that particular year um, that also didn't get a lot of credit during his time. It's just how uh, of how brilliant he was in the ring. Um, more specifically, how brilliant his gimmick was, and I'm referring to Matt Bourne, who portrayed. Doink the Clown, the evil Doink the Clown. So I will be covering Doink 1993 in episode four, which will be launching this coming Monday. So again, please reach, reach out to me at T Davidson, 1182 at yahoo.com, T Davidson, 1182 at yahoo.com. If you guys got any questions or things that you want to hear on the show, um, yeah, you guys are always welcome to continue to send out your, your emails and what have you. So I appreciate that. And I will definitely uh, answer any questions or acknowledge anything said on the on, uh, future shows. So with that said, this concludes Owen Hart 1994. And uh, I look forward to launching Doink 1993.